0: Our scripture this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of God. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that... But we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By Your grace and through Your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that we may have hearts to discern, ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to wonder about how You are at work in this world and how we may find our greatest joy. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So, this morning we're beginning a sermon series called Chasing Happy. You've seen that in your bulletin. And we thought that perhaps the best way to begin is to do a little interviewing of people on the question of what makes them happy. And we decided to go to the most important source for this, which is our children. In particular, the children from our Palms Preschool, to find out what they had to say about... What makes them happy? So listen very carefully as they have some interesting answers. Let's roll the videotape. Getting Legos. I have Legos. Baseball. And basketball. And football. Is that all the ball games? Mm. I get happy when I eat pasta. My mommy and daddy. Mom. (laughs) Squappy Joe's. The meat's supposed to fall out. Uh, Going to Monster Jam because my dad brought me. I like carrots. Carrots. I eat a lot of carrots. And they're crunchy. (laughs) Makes me happy. Well, there you go i don't need to preach eventually happiness has something to do with carrots and sloppy joes. so if you just take that away from our time together that would be a good thing one parenthetically an announcement i want to make about chasing happy that we didn't make earlier today which is that we have this great class called getting your priorities straight and as we unfold this series we're going to be beginning to see that a lot of happiness has to do with how we prioritize our lives. And uh, Bill Tiffin has been teaching this class at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings and as well at 6.30 on Wednesday evenings. And uh, you can find him in the Campus Center on Sunday mornings and you can find him in the Capitol Reception Room on Wednesday evenings. But we encourage you to go and uh, spend some time. Bill's a great teacher, and you may uh, begin to think about what are the kinds of priorities you establish for yourself as you chase your own sense of happiness. So, as I said, we're going to start this new series called Chasing Happy. And we know for a fact that deep within us, there is this hope and this longing and this dream that there is this place called happiness that is somewhere out there awaiting our arrival, that we are on the road to happiness, the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. If if I can only get my GPS of life together, we say to ourselves, well, then someday I will be happy. Thomas Jefferson scrawled it into the founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the inalienable right of life, liberty, and the... Pursuit of happiness. Jefferson was a political philosopher, so he knew enough about human beings, American or otherwise, to assume that one of the things we most want out of life is just to be happy and that we should be free to pursue our happiness. The yearning for happiness is behind about 99% of our pursuits a 10-year-old out there on the soccer field trying to punch the ball into the net is there to gain a little happiness a young woman out of college interviewing for her first job is trying to find some happiness in a career two people fall in love decide to get married they hope that this bond this union will continue to make them happy the, the same couple drive around town looking for that house that we that they will be happy to live in the realtor who has shown them 23 houses already hopes that their pursuit of happiness comes to an end soon. (laughs) The divorced 40-year-old hopes that she might find the person who will make her happier than certainly the previous one. The Honduran family making a mad dash for the American border is trying to find a happier existence. The pursuit of happiness. Jefferson did not say anything about the attainment of happiness. He just said the pursuit of it. We should be free to pursue happiness, perhaps then to say that we never ultimately get there. And that might be a good place for us to start when starting a series on chasing happy. What really are we trying to achieve when we say to ourselves, you know, all I really want is to someday be happy. Most of us have read Shel Silverstein's timeless children's book called The Giving Tree that sweet, sweet tale of a boy and a tree, and the boy climbs the tree and plays underneath the tree, and it makes both he and the tree very happy, but then the boy grows older and insists that there has to be something else that will make him happy. First, it's going to be money that will make him happy, so the tree gives him her apples to sell to make money, So the boy goes away to pursue that happiness, and later the boy comes back and says he wants a house. A house will make him happy, so the tree gives him her limbs to use to make a house, and years Years later, he returns, and each time the tree gives him a part of herself. Finally, he gives him her trunk to build a boat, each time hoping that this will make that boy happy. But for the boy, happiness never lasts very long. And finally, the man, an old man, at the end of his life returns to the tree, and now the tree is just a stump. And the stump can't quite figure out what she's going to do in order to make that boy happy. And the old man says that all he wants is just a place to sit and rest. And the tree straightens out her little trump and says, Here boy, sit here. And the tree and the man are happy again. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not the attainment. Some of you know that a couple years ago, I went out and bought myself a Jeep, an antique Jeep, 1985 CJ7. At the ripe old age of 58, I bought a Jeep, one almost as old as I am. It was the least expensive midlife crisis I could come up with. And it turned out to me, for me, to be my own little giving tree. And the Jeep, I have to say, makes me very happy. The oil leak on our garage floor doesn't make me happy, but the Jeep does. 60 miles an hour down Route 72 to Mayaka, that makes me happy. And it will continue to make me happy until the moment it doesn't start or dies on the side of the road or needs a new engine, all of which I fully expect to happen the next time I get into it. So happiness at its very best is something that when we finally feel like we're grasping it, it slips through our fingers. It's a snapshot, but not a full-length movie. They say that Facebook is the best place to go in order to express your happiness, and it's the worst place to go to find your happiness. You'll never get happy scrolling the pages of Facebook because there always seems to be someone who's happier than you. And what we're seeing, of course, are just the selected snapshots of a person and not the full-length film. How come, we say, how come I'm not happy like that guy or that woman or that family? I'm going to create my own social networking site where the only thing you can put up on it are your failures, your dashed dreams, your paralyzing anxieties. Instead of calling it Facebook, I'm going to call it Faceplant. So when the Bible tells us about Jesus, the Bible gives us the full-length film. With Jesus, you get both Facebook and Faceplant. With Jesus, you get both the good, the bad, and the ugly. That is to say that with Jesus, you get life. You get God living life. You get God living the human life. And when God lives the human life, you get it all. You get happiness. You get laughter. You get sadness. You get tears. You get joy. You get double crossing. You get misunderstanding. You get disappointment. You get love. You get you get brotherly affection. You get the cross. You get the resurrection. You get everything. You don't get the Jeep, but Jesus didn't long, live long enough to have a midlife crisis. But He did live long, life long enough to know that life has its trouble. In this world, Jesus says, in John chapter 16, in this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble. In this world, Things are not going to work out all right. In this world, there is no immunization from difficulty. In this world, you are bound to get banged up a bit. In this world, no good deed goes unpunished. In this world, good men die on crosses. If there's anything the life of Jesus teaches us is that the faithful human life, while it can and should have its happy moments, is not always happy. There is no constant state of happiness that Jesus in His life sets out to achieve, because that's not what Jesus is after. Jesus doesn't chase happy. Jesus pursues something greater. Jesus pursues joy. And joy in the Bible is not just some you know, meaningless semantic shift. No, joy is a whole different kind of life. The Hebrews writer says that Jesus, the great pioneer and perfecter of our faith, read that to say, Jesus, the great pioneer and perfecter of life itself, Jesus, who for the joy, who for the joy set before Him and the, endured the cross and disregarding its shame and has taken His seat at the right hand of the throne of God who for the joy set before Him endured the trouble of life. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble, and then goes on to say, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And the way that Jesus overcomes the world is not by running away from the pain, but by living the life of God in the good times and in the bad times. Living the faithful life of God, despite what pain it might cause. You see, for Jesus, the joy came in His love life. The joy came in His love life. The joy came in the healing life. The joy came in the forgiving life. The joy came in the compassionate life. The joy came in the feeding life. The joy came in the peaceful life. And joy is something you retain despite whether or not you're happy. Because joy is something you give and it's not something you get. Happiness is something you try to get. Joy is something you give. Joy is giving forgiveness. Joy is giving comfort. Joy is giving food. Joy is giving assurance. And joy is not contingent on the external factors. So when the prosperity preacher tells you that God wants you to have this or have that, God wants you to have this house or that bank account or that Jeep for that matter, don't you believe him for a second. God doesn't want you to have anything except for the joy of the love life. The life of doing what God might do if God knew the facts. And that's what Paul talks about when he talks about hope. For the followers of Jesus, hope was in the life of Christ. First, the resurrected life of Jesus with its assurance of eternity, but hope also in the life of Jesus inside of us. For the followers of Jesus, their hope was in their love life, in their grace life, in their compassionate life, in their forgiving life. That's what overcomes the world. It's what they banked their lives on. They weren't chasing happy. They were chasing joy. They were praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to help them live the faithful life of Jesus. Because Jesus, they knew, had overcome the world. And so all the randomness of the world, the pushback of the world, the disappointments of the world, the tragedies of the world. Well, Jesus says, guess what? In this world, you will have trouble. Guess what? In this world, it just comes with the territory. Bad things happen, most of which God has nothing to do with. And sometimes that's going to make you unhappy. But the good life the love life, the eternal life. Ah, now that's where the joy is, he says. So, five days ago, two mothers boarded a plane in New York City. Two professional women on the plane going about their business, two women, as it appears, who loved Jesus, two women who went to church, loved their husbands, and raised and adored each two children. Both get on the plane, one sits in one seat, and the other sits in another seat. One, as it turns out, is in the right place at the right time, and the other is in the wrong place at the wrong time. We've all read stories this week about Tammy Jo Schultz and Jennifer Reardon, one who saved a bunch of lives when that engine exploded on that Southwest flight, and the other who lost her life when that engine exploded. One whose life was instantly elevated to the life of a hero. And one whose body will soon be lowered beneath the ground. Two snapshots. Same moment. Fifty feet apart. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. In this world, engines explode. And they will find someday what went wrong with that engine. Science will explain enough for us to be assured that God didn't have any hand in it. And I guarantee you that that hero mother would give just about anything not to be the hero if it meant the other mother could go home and be what to both of them is most important, being a mom, a wife, a neighbor, a daughter, A faithful child of God. Any hero worth their salt will tell you that the only good thing about being a hero is that by some grace, some grace, you got the chance to be doing the right thing at the right time. Landing an airplane or hugging your kids. And that, I think, is what the Bible is trying to tell us. Life has its happy, but happy is not all of what life is about. Life is about doing the right thing at the right time. And therein is the joy. And that's what we always hope for. The joy of doing the right thing at the right time. We boast in our sufferings, writes the Apostle, because our suffering produces endurance and our endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. Why, he says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts. God's love has been poured through our hearts on its way to somebody else when we do the right thing at the right time. Love life, we call it. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. This is our hope. This is our joy. This is the full-length movie amidst all the good and the bad snapshots.